Um, two weeks ago, I grabbed my trusty microphone. Y'all probably don't even notice this microphone, but let me get it out here. Um, I use this every week. I take it quite for granted. Um, the thing I don't take for granted is this earpiece, um, right? Somebody said, mm, and they kind of know I'm a little possessive about the earpiece because it bends to my ear, and I don't like it to bend to other people's ear. I want it on my ear. Anyway, it, I'm growing into that, okay? Um, but I take the rest of it really quite for granted, and I went, it was before a service, I went to put it on, and this little clip back here, see it? Yes? It was missing. And I thought, huh, maybe it fell off, we looked all around. Well, it turns out, long story short, it did fall off. Again, it was about 15 minutes before service. But because it's just, this one looks a little bit more fancy because it's new. Um, but it was just a little piece of metal and probably it fell off somewhere and it got thrown away because it didn't look that important. But it's very important. This is a very expensive piece of equipment. It's got all this technical Britney Spears, you know, microphone stuff. It's awesome. Um, it's expensive. It's high tech. It's wireless. You know, it's all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you the truth, without the clip, I was wearing a dress that day. It didn't have pockets. It had a hook, you know. I had a belt. I always wear a belt or something with a waistband so I could clip it on. And so there was no way for me to use my microphone without this stupid little clip. No way. And as um, Dave and Greg bravely were using uh, paper clips and duct tape to secure it to my back, I cheered myself with the idea that someday it would make a most excellent sermon illustration. And that day has come. <laughs> Here's the scripture for today. Um, extra points if you see where I'm going with this. This is from ex Exodus chapter 17, verse, starting in verse 8. The people of Israel were still at Rephidim the water, when the warriors of Amalek came to fight against them. This is um, after a little bit of that complaining we talked about last week. Moses commanded Joshua, call the Israelites to arms and fight against the army of Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. He led his men out to fight the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff with his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites gained the upper hand. Moses' arm finally became too tired to hold up the staff any longer. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side, holding up his hands until sunset. As a result, Joshua and his troops were able to crush the army of Amalek. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Here we have a story of a battle. Okay, there's hundreds of fighting men, most likely, hundreds of them. There's the prophet of God, right? The one who's, when he raises his hands, plagues spread out, waters part, um, other water becomes clean. He, God speaks with Moses. We have all the mighty wind. We have the prophet. We have all the weaponry that they likely had. This commanding general in Joshua, the staff of God in Moses' hands, and yet without two arm holders, the battle would have been lost. Totally lost. Now, eventually, Paul would speak of this reality quite eloquently about the body of Christ. You've heard that, right? We are the body of Christ. Each of us a different part. When taken together, we become the living reality of our Lord in this world. And each of us has a role to play. But what I wanted to show you today as I read this scripture, I realized this was not something new in the New Testament. 
It wasn't like when Jesus came around, suddenly we all had a role to play, whereas before we just had to sit around and nod our heads while the prophet got to work. We have always had, the community of God has always worked together, has always worked as a team, has always relied on each other. Now, the story of Israel moving from slavery in Egypt to the promised land spans five books. I told you all that last week. I might keep saying that. Um, Those books are Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. So if you read those books, you're going to hear the story. Sometimes you'll hear almost the same thing repeated a little bit differently. Sometimes it picks up where others left off. And the reason I tell you that is because here for us, Amalekites, we're like, Amalekites, where'd that come from? Well, if you read in Deuteronomy, you get a little bit more of the story, and you find out that we've already, or the people of God had already met the Amalekites. That when they were fleeing, and if you want to write this down, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 25, 17 through 18. When the nation of God was fleeing from the Amalekites, or from the Egypt, Egyptians, they got really tired. Okay, we know that they got really tired because they were complaining. And the Amalekites were these nomadic warrior tribes. They were descendants of Esau, just for those of y'all who care. And they lived in this area, and they would attack, like guerrilla attack, the people of God when they were most vulnerable. So if they were really weary after a long day's march, that's when the Amalekites would appear at the ridges and attack. And especially Deuteronomy tells us that they picked off stragglers. That if anybody straggled from the main body of this group of people who were moving through the wilderness, the Amalekites would close in and kill them. And so it doesn't say who they were picking off, but we know that if you were straggling behind, you were likely older or sick or a child. So that's what the Amalekites are doing, is they are attacking the people of God, they are killing the weak, the children, the elderly, the sick, and they're coming to attack again in Exodus. This is the first time we meet them in Exodus, but we know that the people of God have already met them. And so Moses says to Joshua, it's time to get the army. Well, they didn't really have a trained army, did they? They were slaves. But Joshua went around to all the tents And he gathered up all the people who were able to fight, and they strapped on whatever weapons they had. I'm not sure that they all had swords, but they all grabbed whatever they had, brick-making equipment and things that could be used as a weapon, and they kissed their family goodbye. It's the dead of night. And they prayed together. And then in the morning, they go out into this valley where the battle will happen. That's the army. And Moses goes and climbs the rock or the the hill that he's going to be on. Now, the battle, unfortunately, was not over quickly. Did y'all catch that? It wasn't a quick battle. It lasted the whole day. It was a day-long battle. And what Moses did is he was holding up the staff of God. I don't know exactly how. I don't know how he was doing it. We don't know. But he was holding up the staff of God. And I want us to remember that, too, is that We're going to talk a lot about how we need each other as human beings today, how we need each other. But what Moses is doing when he's holding up the staff of God is he's calling on the power of God, right? And what he's seeing is as long as he's praying, as long as he's calling on the power of God in that way, his, the Israelites, God's people are winning. But as soon as his arms drop then he can't call on the power of God anymore. He can't do it, and the tide turns. Now, let me chase a rabbit here just for a minute. These are God's people, right? This is a true enemy. They're attacking the weak and the wounded, and yet there is a need to pray. 
Like without our, our intervention, it's our prayers lifted to God that then God acts. Right? We're going to see, you're going to see in your life, I have seen in my life these beautiful, wonderful times, and honestly, um, I see it more than I even deserve when I haven't prayed and God acts. But we need to never discount that we need to be in relationship with God to invite him in when we have a battle and we need to win. God, we need your power. That's what they were doing. Moses was calling out to God on behalf of the people. Now, they have turned this, this, into a challenge on Survivor, I found out as I was doing my sermon research. People, I'm like holding arms in the air. What's that like? And they're like, it's a challenge on Survivor. I don't know if any of y'all watch it. I don't, but if you do watch it, um, apparently they chained the survivor's wrist to a water bucket, one of them, and held them up in the air like this. And however long they could hold their hand up in the air, um, then they'd get immunity, okay, whoever did it the longest. And they had to hold their hand up. If they even moved a little bit, then the water would dump on them and they'd be out. So they had one arm to brace the other one with. Do you know how long it took most of them to, to fail at keeping their arm up like this? 14 minutes. Now, you know, for, if you've ever seen people play Survivor, those, those people are intense. Those stakes are high, okay? So they, they definitely did it as long as they could. And then 14 minutes. The longest people, and remember, this is just one arm up in the air. The other one gets to brace. The very longest that they held out was five hours. We're talking a whole day with both arms in the air. What happens? Did y'all kind of notice that I made you hold your arms out to pray today? Hmm? I wanted to pray really long. Because <laughs> we've done that at annual conference. Like some of y'all annual conference, we've either been kneeling and I'm like, oh, I hope this is a short prayer because you're kneeling on the stone floor, you know, and you're like, please let it be short. Or you've held your, I've held my arms out to pray and you realize how hard it is, right? It's so hard that in boot camp, they, um, they make you do a high carry with your rifle, right? And that's really, really hard. So soldiers will tell you that that little eight-pound little <laughs> eight-pound rifle feels like 100 after just a few minutes. So that is what Moses is trying to do. And y'all know if your muscles have ever been taxed so limic that your arms start shaking. So he's shaking. How old was Moses at this time? 80 years old. He's shaking. He's trying to do it alone. And he just can't, y'all. He knows lives are on the line. I need to keep calling out to God. Lives are on the line. These people are going to die. But he physically cannot do it without help. Was Moses good at accepting help? No, actually. Read on to the next chapter. Read on to Exodus chapter 18. And you will see that he is sitting from sun up to sundown as the primary judge for all of Israel. So people, if they're like, that person stole my cat, that's going to go to Moses, right? All the way up from somebody has been killed here. He judged everything. That was Moses. And his father-in-law says, Moses, this is not good. You are not supposed to do it all yourself. You need to get people, some of these people, and get them to help you. They can judge the smaller disputes, still bring the bigger ones to you. That was hard for him. He was doing all of it. I think he learned how to give away ministry, how to share this day. When his arms were shaking, and he was so tired he couldn't go on, and who was with him? Aaron, his brother, and her. And some people say her is Miriam's husband, so his brother and his brother-in-law. Whoever it was, these were two people that Moses trusted. Because when he leaves to go up on Mount Sinai, he says, okay, people of God, listen to Aaron and her while I'm gone. 
So these are two trusted people. And what they do is they get him a rock to sit on. As I did research about what happens if you hold your arms in the air, you get muscle cramping on the back of your shoulders and your back begins to kill you. And so he was aching throughout his body. They got him a rock to sit down on and each one of them takes an arm and holds it up. And so throughout the rest of the day, Aaron and her are standing on either side of Moses, helping him cry out to God by holding his arms up, and they win. Now, let's think about that. At the end of the day, everybody goes back to the camp, right? Glorious victory. There's all the shouting and hurrah, hurrah. And who do you think was, people were like, man, you did a great job. To the soldiers, right? I mean, the people who have blood all over them, their weapons are notched, they've been fighting all day. I mean, yay to the soldiers. And then there's Moses, the prophet of God. You called out to God on our behalf. And then they're like, Aaron and her, what did you, oh man, we held up Moses' arms. <laughs> oh, well, way to go on that, you know. You really put yourself on the line on that one, right? It probably was not a very glorious thing to hold up somebody's arms. But could they have won without those arm holders? I want us to think as we think about our community, because this is something that is unique to Christian community. In the world, it's very much every man and woman for themselves. It's get the glory that you can, the recognition that you can, and then you come to church and you hear these stories and these exhortations to live as a community. That it matters who's sitting next to you, that it matters who's sitting behind you and who's sitting in front of you, and the decisions they make, because it does. Y'all, I'm telling you that every week there are things, there are arm holders behind the scenes um, that are helping me who I couldn't do it without them, right? Those guys back there, the people who come early and set up everything and make the coffee and get the drinks, the people who help us with the bulletin, with all the things behind the scenes. There's all these glorious arm holders. There's a way to be involved in ministry for God that doesn't put you right here. And the fact is, God did not make you, design you to simply listen to me and nod your head and go home. He designed us to all take each other's hands, hold up each other's arms and say, if we are going to win this battle, we're going to do it together. It will take all of us, all of us bringing all of our different skills. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means, did you realize that there's people in this story that you don't even know about? There's always people who, are stay, who stay behind to guard the camp right? There are, because otherwise the main body goes out to fight, and then a flanking group comes along and burns your home down while you're away. So there's people behind who we don't even hear in the story. We need to remember that we all have a part to play. The second thing we need to remember, and this is especially appropriate on Stephen Minister Sunday, is we're, we're more okay with holding up somebody's arms, right? We're more okay with helping, I think, in general, than in realizing our arms are shaking, we are not going to be able to do this no matter how much we want, and we need some help. And so being a part of the body of Christ, when we say we promise God our presence, means not only that we will give our help, that we will be an arm holder, or we will go into the valley and fight, or we will stand on the hill and pray, or we will stay back with the provisions and guard them, that we will do our part. It means when the battle gets, gets really thick and we can't do it alone, we let somebody cover our back. It means that when our arms are shaking and we cannot cry out to God anymore, 
We let somebody hold them. We let somebody know, I am struggling. Will you hold my arms? That's what that means. That's what it means to promise your presence. And so let's go back to my little microphone at the very end. Y'all, we could have the most amazing body of Christ, highly sophisticated, wonderful, savvy in, in the world. But without the clip, useless. As a church, it's exciting to be at Bee Creek United Methodist Church. I told y'all last week, it's so exciting. We have, an, we have like one person a week coming to faith in Christ because of our ministry. Not my ministry, not the singer's ministry, our ministry, all of us. It's exciting. We're looking at all kinds of things, how to start a new worship service, how to expand our space, how to pay down debt, all this stuff. And y'all, there is no way we will do this if we don't do it together. No matter where we go, we are going together. We need each other. That is the community of Christ. Now, I want to tell you one other thing. When the people get to the river, remember I've told you when they got to the river, they had all these doubts, except for a few of them, and God turned them back around to the wilderness. And Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Aaron and all the people who were saying, let's go across, they went right back around. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness because the group wasn't ready yet. The group wasn't ready. Faith is not about being the top 5%, right? It's about the body. It's about the whole enchilada. Without the clip, it doesn't work. Do I think we're going back to the wilderness? Heck no. We're not going to go 40 years wandering in the wilderness. We are not doing that. But wherever we go, we're going together. And if we succeed, it's because we're all in it together. And if we stumble, we're going to pick each other up together. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. amen. All right, let's pray. God, I pray, that, um, I pray a prayer of thanks. I wanted to thank you for this community, for these people who have my back and how we have each other's back and how we support each other's arms. And I pray, Lord, that you would knit us together, not as individuals, but here in this one place, that we would be your community, that we would learn how to move together, that we would learn how to call upon you together, and that we would always be following your path and your ways so that more people could know you on this earth through us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.